I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 16 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to tell you how we can limit the federal government. Today, the federal government inserts itself into almost every aspect of our lives. It tells you what kind of light bulbs you can screw into your fixtures. It tells you how much water you can have in your toilet. It even tells you that you have to buy health insurance, whether you want it or not. How in the world can we control such a ubiquitous, powerful, overreaching institution? Well, actually, I guess we need to back up and answer a more basic question. Should we be able to limit it at all? A lot of people don't seem to think so. They seem to think that the federal government should do all of these things and more. But unless you want to live under an absolute dictatorship, the answer is obviously yes. Government has limits. The very existence of a Constitution and a Bill of Rights places limits on the U.S. government. And if there are limits, there has to be a way to enforce them, right? But how? What can you actually do when the federal government exercises powers it shouldn't? Well, I suppose you can just follow the conventional wisdom and try to rein in the feds through the channels the establishment encourages you to use. You know, you can vote the bums out, but you'll wake up Wednesday morning and realize you just elected new bums. You can protest and you can petition, call your congressman, but you and I both know they'll ignore you. Ooh, ooh, I've got it. You can sue in federal court and hope a judge will limit federal power. Ah, but alas, federal judges almost always rule on the side of federal power. They are federal employees, after all. You see the problem here? All of these strategies depend on the federal government to limit itself. It's a fool's game. Expecting Washington, D.C. to fix itself is a little bit like expecting a toddler to change her own diaper. You and I both know that child will sit in her own filth until the end of time until an adult comes along and changes her. This analogy seems particularly fitting when we're talking about the inside the Beltway establishment, doesn't it? Or think of it this way. If you were playing in a football game, would you accept a member of the other team as the referee? No, of course not. 
But that's pretty much what you're counting on when you turn to the federal government to limit itself. So we're back to square one. How do we limit the federal government? This isn't a new question. In fact, this was the central debate during the ratification of the Constitution. A lot of people have this all wrong. They think the debate was between the Federalists, who wanted a strong national government, and the Anti-Federalists, who didn't. But that wasn't it at all. That issue was settled in Philadelphia. The Nationalists lost, and the Constitution that came out of that convention created a federal government with limited, specifically enumerated powers. Virtually everybody agreed on this point by the time the ratification conventions convened. The debate between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists was about whether or not the proposed Constitution would keep the federal government limited as intended and as promised. The Federalists insisted that it would, and it was on that basis that the states ratified the Constitution. In the midst of this debate, many asked the very question we're talking about today. How in the world do you ensure that this limited federal government, with only a few powers, remains within its proper sphere? James Madison answered the question in Federalist 46. The so-called father of the Constitution wrote that when the federal government commits an unwarranted act— or even when it does something that is warranted but simply unpopular, there is a means of opposition that is powerful and at hand. So what was it? What was this means of opposition? How did Madison envision the people keeping their government in check? Through state and individual action. First off, Madison mentions the disquietude of the people and their repugnance. In other words, he expected that people would throw a fit when the feds usurp power. He also mentions the frowns of the executive magistracy of the state. Here, Madison envisions governors formally protesting federal actions. Of course, we know that no matter how loud and angry the protests get, the feds aren't likely to listen. And Madison did not leave it at that. No, he had a very concrete plan. Refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union. Yes, when the federal government commits unwarranted acts or even unpopular acts, Madison advised that people and states refuse to cooperate. By simply saying no, by refusing to provide resources, personnel, or assets to the federal government, states can create, as Madison put it, impediments and obstructions. When those pile up high enough, the federal action will simply cease. We call this nullification in practice. The law is still on the books. The federal program still exists on paper, but it cannot be enforced or administered. Now, you're probably thinking, how in the world can a simple non-cooperation stop the big bad feds from enforcing their laws or running their programs? Well, the fact is, the federal government depends on state resources and personnel to do virtually everything. Think about every DEA raid you've ever seen on the news. You notice who is always there? State and local law enforcement. That's just one example. From Obamacare to marijuana prohibition to NSA spying, the federal government depends on state cooperation to get the job done. 
When state governments refuse to participate, it makes it difficult, if not impossible, for the federal government to run its programs or enforce its laws in those states. During the partial, temporary federal government shutdown in 2013, the National Governors Association confirmed this reality in a statement expressing its concern about the shutdown. Quote, states are partners with the federal government in implementing most federal programs. A lack of certainty at the federal level from a shutdown therefore translates directly into uncertainty and instability at the state level. Did you notice what they said? Not some federal programs, not a few federal programs, most federal programs. By simply saying no, we can impede, obstruct, and ultimately end most federal programs. This just doesn't have to happen through state action either, or legislative devices, as Madison put it. Individuals can also refuse to cooperate. One of the greatest examples of the power of no was Rosa Parks refusing to give up her seat on the bus. Her simple act of defiance to an unjust law lit a fire that ultimately consumed Jim Crow. I hear people talking about the failure of the Constitution all the time. They say a piece of paper can't restrain the government. And you know what? They're absolutely right. But that parchment was never intended to be self-enforcing. We weren't ever supposed to depend on the federal government to limit the federal government. That's an absurdity, obviously. Yes, the founders wisely included what we call horizontal checks through separation of powers and the various branches. All of those things you learned in your high school civics class. The voting, protesting, and federal courts, they all have their role. But the real check on federal governmental power was always meant to come through the states and the people. That's how the system was designed. Our failure isn't in the system. Our failure is in the fact that we have not done our part. We Americans sat back and let this happen. We let the federal government become so intrusive. We let the federal government get so large. It's time to stop it. It's time to stand up and take control. It's time to stop letting politicians and bureaucrats bully us into unlimited submission. That's not the kind of people we are. Madison gave us the blueprint. With one word, we can restore our freedom and our liberty. That word is no. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any thoughts or ideas, please email me at michael.meharry at 10th Amendment Center.com. Thank you again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.